Hello everyone and welcome to itsyourseason.life where we are discovering and living life at any age. I'm Lisa Boson and I'm here to introduce you to people like you and me who have rediscovered themselves, stretched their abilities, and to me kept their light under a bushel basket. I hear their stories and think, wow, that is so cool. These are ordinary people doing the extraordinary. So what are we doing? Well, you know how you'd love to hear your peers succeed, get inspired by those who just try? That's us. That's itsyourseason.life. Don't forget to follow us on our website, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm there sharing weekly updates and, of course, what's in season, be it people, food, feelings, and nature. So let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of It's Your Season.life, where we bring amazing people who are doing wonderful things that improve our lives. Our guest today on October 15th is Miriam Haddad. She is the CEO and founder of Performance Communications Company. And um, I always like to tell people how I uh, was introduced to Miriam, gosh, at least 10 years ago, if not more. At that time, she was uh, the CEO and founder performance English and I was providing career coaching and personal improvement coaching for individuals and I was given a client that I wasn't sure was the best fit for me. Um, I wasn't sure what direction to take this individual and to help this individual with uh, accent reduction but uh, and other services but I knew I wasn't the right person. And another contact connected me up with Miriam Haddad uh, with Performance English, and it wound up, I think, being a very successful client experience, and I gained a friend and a colleague and someone who I really want to stay connected with forever. She is just a wonderful person. I love the fact that she enjoys helping others, and along with her team. She's got a very extensive, expansive team now of helping others be the best version of themselves. So welcome, Miriam. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to meet you in this space and to be here with everyone who's listening. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I'm not sure exactly sometimes how to get started because I know you have, uh, uh, I'm not going to say a lot of versions of yourself, but a lot of life experiences that brought you here, including something that we both have in common, but you were much more uh, in your professional life as a professional singer, and you've done some wonderful things with that. So just kind of help us understand how you um, kind of got started and, and how you got to where you are now. Sure. So just to be clear, I'm understanding you want to understand how I transitioned from uh, music performance as an opera singer and concert pianist to the biz- to my company, which is now called the Performance Communication Company. Is that right? Uh, that's a great place to start. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Okay. Got it. Awesome. Yes. So uh, the best things happen never by accident, but uh, we'll call it uh, just a, a moment that was illuminating. So I had been working with a wonderful person just like yourself, Lisa, a, a life coach. Um, I'm deeply grateful for all that she helped me to learn. Her name is Marilyn Fance. And, uh, you know, we had worked together to try to help me harness. I had a lot of pretty intense artistic energy, creative energy, and I loved business too. And so I started working with her to try to, to harness all of that and become more productive towards going from idea into actually doing what those ideas were, bringing them to life. And it was over dinner one night during those, um, during that time frame that the idea came. And, and the way that it came was she was actually given a challenge by one of the companies that she serviced. Uh, she had a group of foreign engineers that that in oil and gas that were brilliant, you know, PhDs. Some of them had a couple of PhDs and they were really having trouble getting up on stage, being the best of themselves fearlessly, uh, while also putting forth what the audience needed to best engage with them and to speak clearly and to be understandable and to really be memorable. 
and to do so in such a way that lifted the organizational brand while speaking well of their own personal brand. So over wine enchiladas and uh, a, a lot of fun, she said, Miriam, I don't know what to do about this. We've had ESL coaches in, we've had culture coaches in, we've had presentation coaches in, we've done everything but stand on our heads to try to get this together over the last month so they would be ready. We are eight weeks away and I have no idea what to do to solve this and it's not solved yet. Do you have any ideas? I said, well, tell me a little bit more about how you are training them. So as someone who has had to go to piano competitions, for example, and, pay a, and play a piano concerto from memory or stand up and sing an operatic role, you have to layer things into your body and your brain in a particular way so that when you stand up in front of people, you can actually now just let it go so that you're a conduit of this beauty that's coming through you while trusting all that you've trained in. And none of that was being done. So I said, you're, you're be they're training them in an upside down way. You should do one, two, three, four, five in how you train them. Cheers. And she said, great, you're hired. And I said, I literally fell out of my chair. I said, excuse me? <laughs> so I had a booming studio that I was quite happy with. Um, I was still performing in those days. And my question to her was, dear, why on earth would they want to hear from an opera singer and a pianist? <laughs> you know, these are very smart scientists. Um, they've got very important things to share with the world. And she said, exactly you're hired. And I said, you know, I'm always up for an adventure and I love business. So I'd always been involved in business, but not, you know, preparing people for an important conference like that at that point. And so I had, in the events that I would create on the artistic side, I'd had a lot of my sponsors who were, you know, either businesses or leaders with big global organizations. And they had started a comment to me, how do you how do you stand up there, Miriam, and be yourself and and talk to people so easily from the stage? And so that conversation had kept coming up. So I thought, you know, let me jump on this bandwagon. So I did. And the program I put together for that first run was called Say It With Power. And uh, it was a six week program. And I had no idea how necessary the tools that I brought to the table were in the way that I brought them. Um, some quick results from that that really spoke to me and it's actually a part of the reason that I continued in that vein uh, and have been at this now for 14 years and added things and continued to grow and help people in further ways. But one of those uh, engineers that was in that group got best presenter out of 25 companies at the Dry Tree Forum it was funny, he was a, a spy planted by the top management to see what was going on. Why were they spending all this money on the trainings that had passed but not proven effective? Um, and so they said, you go take this class. And so he reported up, you need to keep hiring this company. They're amazing. And so he had won an award. But the, that, that, was, that was satisfying because I, I had a track record of, per, of creating uh, people who could perform and win at a competitive level. The one that really cinched it for me was a gentleman. Uh, I asked the class, uh, uh, we were gonna be giving an award, who was the best, most improved in that time frame? And they named a man. And it was like he'd won the Nobel Prize. He stood up in shock and he, he had tears in his eyes. He was really moved oh. and he said, thank you thank you. He said, I, I had stopped speaking up. I stopped speaking up in my meetings. I stopped speaking up about my ideas because I was so tired of not being understood. And I was ashamed that no one could understand me. He said, Miriam, thank you for giving me my confidence back. I will never not speak up again. And Lisa, when I understood the impact of the love and the tools that I'd worked on all my life, how much it impacted that one human being 
in that way, you know, I've always wanted to make the world a better place. I realized that he's a person in community. He's a leader. He has a family. By my impacting him, he would be able to go and carry it forward and impact so many more. And that's a, a good part of the reason why I went ahead and said, you know what? Let's open our doors. So Performance English opened in 2006 and uh, a short time ago and kind of late 2019, we rebranded to the Performance Communication Company. The rest is history, as they say. It, it absolutely is. It just keeps getting better and better. And I want to come back to um, to your current pivot, but I want to go back for just a little bit. One, I just, I, I, you made me remember that that's how we met was with the Say It With Power, um, because I worked in healthcare and we had uh, in a large institution in Houston and, uh, not institution, healthcare organization, and uh, we had some of the same concerns of individuals that were highly academic but struggling with uh, um, language barriers and being able to present and share their ideas and articulate them and which goes much much deeper than just um, accent reduction it goes much deeper than that and uh, I do want you to talk more about that but I, I want to go back for just a moment was singing and performance always easy for you and, and how did you discover that early on? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question. So, no, in fact, it was singing and playing the piano, yes. In front of people, no. <laughs> so what there is to know is that I used to have a horrendous fear of being in front of people and performing. So to the point of even going to piano competitions. And Lisa, I would have practiced a year on my concerto and literally get up on stage and like a switch would flip in my mind and I would literally not even remember who I was. It was like so severe, it was like amnesia. <laughs> I remember once I looked at the piano and that was a concert, that was awful. I was accompanying a singer and he looked at me like, are you ready to begin? And I was looking at the piano going, oh, my gosh, what is this? I didn't even recognize the keys I've played since I was six. I thought, don't I play the flute? I mean, it was severe. Um, but it's also a part of what prompted me to study the brain. As I said, there is no way practice makes perfect. That is baloney. Because if I'm practicing 16 hours a day and I get up on stage and I can't remember a lick, not even my name, there is a quotient missing. What is it? Um, and so it was not easy. And it was a battle that I fought for many, many years. I got coaching. I had psychological intervention. I had to learn what was it that wouldn't let me emerge in front of people just as easily as I'm talking to you. Um, and I'm so grateful that I overcame it. And I'm also grateful for the struggle because it's a part of what helps me to meet people where they are inside of their struggles and to understand how it feels. Um, and then to bring them through on the other side together. There is so much out. Uh, thank you so much because I hear a lot of words that, that resonate with me. There's courage. There's perseverance. It's not just about repetition, but it seems like going deeper than just doing the same thing over and over again. You, you it seems like you went to a, a great deal of external effort and understanding of yourself uh, to help you kind of pull through that and, and get up on stage and perform. Um, is well, that yes. Yes, that's true. That's one component of it. But what I discovered was how you practice. And it, it's a learning process. It has to happen in the right order for that skill. Um, and within the spectrum of how that individual learns. And then it needs to be layered in a particular way that equates capability at the performance level. So in that regard, really, we have become learning specialists that help people to not only gain knowledge, but convert it into skill and then 
to take that skill and to increase their performance level, not just once, but now understanding how to do that in iterations and grow and grow and grow. So it's two things. It's not, it's, it's getting over the internal barriers we have, but then it's how you build and then how you, to get to performance. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so is it safe to say that um, during your process of working with a client, that you're also understanding their method of learning so you can customize a little bit to, of, of the approach to them? We are, we are basically learning how their brain absorbs information the easiest. Okay. And then we are tailoring into that. So that would be for our live coaching programs. But like, for example, Say It With Power has now become our, we've now virtualized it. Um, and it's a fully blended learning experience. It's really cool. But in that, because we had a good, at the point of product development, we had a good 12, 13 years under our belt of working with people. We actually were now able to engineer it in such a way that it actually hit on the most important ways that we saw people engaging with the material to learn and make the progress. Um, and so in coaching, we can do that in a very agile and fluid way, meeting people where they are every moment. You know, but in sort of a in, a in a systematic methodology, you have to take best practices and then um, evolve around that. And honestly, my my partner and I, um, Shafiq, he's amazing. So he's a he's in machine learning and he's a data scientist. And so we have a lot of fun setting up experiments to really uh, take the data and measure and see exactly, you know, what really are not only the best practices that we knew, but as this thing grows and more people engage with it, what further is there to add to it to make it easier and faster for people to learn? So, I'm glad you shared that because I, I was I was very impressed when we first met and you were talking about your team and how you were you were using data to really uh, create best practices of learning you weren't just kind of coming up with a product and throwing it out there. There was a lot of science behind it. So uh, what else would you like to, or can you embellish on that a little bit more? Or that wasn't, yeah, I know that sure. wasn't part of our questions, but I'm, I'm really yeah. fascinated that you're using science behind it as well. So. Yes. Yes. Well, the whole, the, the premise behind my whole brand, the, the, any program that we create for the performance communication company is that communication in and of itself is a science but it is also an art, it is an interface to manage, and it is a performance to cultivate. So of course that ideology is embedded in that particular program and say it with power. So we are also looking at um, not only the, the measurement, we've always assessed people, but it's really cool because you know, in a classroom setting, which is what we ran live for many years, you know, you've got 15 people in a room. What we do is not written, it's all sound. So the ability to stop and hear everyone on every homework and, and the way that they're creating and structuring and formulating was just not possible time-wise in a classroom setting. So what I'm really grateful for is that Shafiq helped me to create a methodology where people could actually send in video homework um, and get not only scoring that is numerically based um, and we can measure over time, but that we could also see the soft side of what numbers don't represent inside of their performances that are video captured. And so the latest element that we added, which I'm so excited about, because we could do this in the classroom, was we could run performance projects in the classroom, which make it so much funner to learn, right? Um, and so now we've added that part with the amazing speaker forum where people will get to work on five performance projects in the six, excuse me, the six month long program. And as they learn a foundational skill, they have to go and apply it to one of these performance projects. And then um, on certain tracks, they can send that to a certified coach assessor that sends them written feedback every inch of the way, as well as um, numbered scores. And then they are able to post that to the forum. Regardless of what track anybody's on, 
uh, everybody has access to submitting their final performance projects to the forum and then to comment on, on one another's performance and let people know what they liked and make suggestions and comments just like we did in class. So it's a really robust way to, to evolve people. And the one thing I want to say, Lisa, is why we factor in performance as a part of our learning process is a performance is, is one snapshot in a moment of where someone is. And it's, it's so based on how somebody feels that day, how well they've prepared, and it's pressure testing, right? So the holes emerge. So from that, we're able to make even further recommendations of, ooh, that's falling out when they're nervous. So the brain goes into hypostress, right? When, when there's a trigger of some kind, and then the body defaults to what has been conditioned the most. So we get to see what hasn't been conditioned the most, what is not continuing to be um, inside of a performance capacity, and then assign particular exercises to shore that up. So that's a part of why our changes are really lasting. Um, so there's a lot, there is a lot of science, but it's also the science of people. It's the science of the mind. It's the science of performance. It's, and um, so I'll just stop there <laughs> so you can <laughs> ask further questions and engage. Yeah, so I do have two more questions um, about uh, your, your the, I'm just going to stutter here terribly. I'm here with a speaking uh, professional, and I'm stuttering. But um, I have two questions for you, Miriam. Uh, I have a, had my own struggles. What, for our listeners, what is an example of a performance project? And then um, what? Who's who's an ideal client? So to get us started for the last two, what's an, what is what is a performance project? What does that look like? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to speak to uh, the performance projects that are, are in the program, okay? So the very first performance project that somebody actually has to give is a two-minute video that is expressing who they are, where they come from, and what it is that they want to achieve through their participation in this program. And uh, what they hope, what they envision victory would be for them by the end of this six-month term, and then they we ask them to go work on that without ever having learned anything, and then they've got to post it to the forum, and then my team and I will go in and we will actually say, wow, that was amazing, and we get to to really talk about the things that they uh, did well, and then give them a couple of things that we'd like to see better. So in our live classes across any of our programs, you'll hear me say, okay, that was awesome. Let's consider that take one. Let me have take two. So people really get used to the idea of iterations are what, what evolve a great final product. Whether that final product is one talk or whether it's um, an, an actual hold in your hands product, right? Now, as they continue to engage with the skills, now, uh, a performance project might look like um, actually working on a poem. So for our non-native speakers, poetry is not really, in English, is not something they've studied necessarily. And it's so rich in regards to the musicality of phrasing, the use of words to create pictures and impact, especially uh, how we would deliver that through vocal storytelling. Um, now, for our non-native speakers who are really working to build their voice and improve their pronunciation, um, they would have to go in and apply certain things that they've learned to fixing certain sounds and, and uh, patterns in words. So the performance project gives them a, a chance to apply the granular while expanding something so much more that deals with self-expression and vocabulary and phrasing and storytelling. And then ends with what it, it's like sound branding. What is the distinctness of their sound of voice? How is it coming through? And then merging that with emotional tone it's on purpose to create a, a desired impact. Um, that's that's really crafted and engineered, but from the heart. Does that help you understand, Lisa? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I know it uh, will help our listeners understand this is so much deeper and broader than 
um, and for me, I took Toastmasters, and, and that was excellent for me, but it's, it's even broader and deeper than, um, than uh, not, I'm not knocking Toastmasters, but it's broader and deeper than that. And, and you, what really resonated to me, what you just said, is that our voices um, are, are our signature trademark and how we can learn to use that effectively in sharing our story and communicating and and connecting with people that that is that's kind of our signature of what we have is that um oh absolutely that was so beautifully said um mr ferrari who was one of my i've, I've had the good fortune and blessing of amazing world-class level performers so mr ferrari right now god love him i think he's like 95 and i studied with him probably gosh almost 25 years ago um, Mr. Ferrari studied at La Scala under uh, Toscanini during that time. He studied with a very famous um, opera singer, Beniamino Gili, right? But he came from the school of thought of the bel canto uh, method, where really the body is the instrument and you can engineer the voice to be truly bel, beautiful canto, beautiful singing. So I've translated that to beautiful speaking. But he taught me one thing, two things actually that pertain to this. The voice is the barometer of the body. And we light our words from the fire within. Otherwise they are dead. And so we spend as much time as we do technically so that those two things can be set free. Um, and so beautiful speaking is about you being being able to be the beauty of the essence of soul you are inside and letting it really flow through unhindered to one, few, or many people that are on the other side of receiving that. That's just, I'm, I'm, I'm just listening and, and just enjoying your own voice, Miriam. That was a beautiful um, description and clarification for us in regards to uh, our voice, I love that, the voice being the barometer. Voice is our barometer. Um, so uh, um, I want to go back for just a moment. I know you've done a TED Talk, and I, I didn't know that until today. Actually, shame, shame on me. Um, but I do want to uh, pull back just a little bit of, was performance uh, a part of your upbringing? Just give us a little bit of, I think your upbringing, your background story is 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 interesting and if, if you would mind kind of going there with me for a little while on that what was it like where did you grow up and was performance part of that and your family and so forth yes absolutely thank you for the question and i'm going to slightly pause for a moment forgive me i realized you had asked me who's an ideal client so i'm going to just mention that quickly because we really want to work with um with everyone but right now we are working a lot with global leaders uh executive leaders capital L, we're working with those who are leaders, little L, they are the people that have the hearts of champions and are constantly seeking to rise. And they could have many different kinds of positions in a company, but they are leaders, little L. And we are also working with rising stars, your subject matter experts, uh, your really high level talented uh, people. Um, and of course we work with everyone, uh, we're, really focused on that domain right now so that we can help make the greatest impact in a world, um, well, forgive me, in a world gone mad. <laughs> so, um, now to, to my upbringing. So my family is very uh, musical. Uh, I do come on dad's side, uh, I'm first generation. He immigrated from Syria when he was a boy. Um, and his side is exceptionally musical, but there was never the means uh, to have things like lessons, and I'm very grateful for his hard work that, and, and actually all of his brothers and sisters, all of my cousins, several of us have reached a concert level performance. Um, music runs deep in our veins as does poetry. I think we get the gift of poetry from my grandfather who loved uh, writing speeches and writing his thoughts and sharing them with people. My aunt, whose name is very similar to mine, her name is Marianne with an N, the dad, is actually an author and writer. Um, and she inspired me greatly. We used to sit there and 
I write poetry and not let that loose large scale on the world, but um, she inspired that in me. Um, so there has been a lot of performance in our family, but it also looked like dad at literally two teaching us how to shake someone's hand and look them in the eye. Uh, it looked like at three being able to take a phone message where he had like grilled us. Here's how you take a phone number. Here's how you, uh, you know, put somebody on hold. So I believe that we were always trained from the beginning to perform and be the best version of ourselves. Um, and I'm grateful for that because it's a part of what allows me to perform at the level that I do. Um, and to help others get there too. So I did start piano uh, at the age of six, and of course you start performing. So I, I did perform a lot through childhood in both piano. Um, I played the clarinet for many years. I danced, I was in theater, um, and I sang. So performance and the arts are a part of my DNA. So, so where do you currently get your inspiration? Your family seems to, you, uh, either genetically or just socially or inspirationally from your family as you were uh, going through your formative years. Where do you get your inspiration now? Well, I'm at heart, actually, Lisa, a very quiet person. Um, and I'm actually a very introspective person and a very spiritual person. So my daily inspiration comes, quite frankly, from prayer. And I believe it, too, is an art form. Comes from meditation, comes from reading my Bible every day, comes from taking walks and really emptying uh, my mind of thoughts so I can better hear um, my soul. And it comes from the trees and the birds and even just listening to the wind around me there is veritable poetry happening all around us every moment of the day if we were to stop, be still, and just listen. So that's really become my fun. I love to just stop and challenge myself to listen, to listen for the deeper message, to stop and be friends with the lizards that are hanging out on my patio, um, to, to watch an ant struggling on the ground to carry his little grain of whatever across a, a massive expanse to get to wherever he's going. Um, I'm learning so much and inspired by that. And I'm inspired by people and how they're meeting the challenges of today and uh, listening to the whispers of their heart to rise in courage. So, so you that Yes. So you spoke of challenges. What's one of the hardest challenges that you've met and overcome? And, and how did you do that? Um, I'll speak of one that was, uh, for me, very painful at the time. So I'd always envisioned that, I don't know, by the time I was 30, I would have a PhD in piano performance. I would have a swanky position at a, a cute private university somewhere in the East Coast and be traveling the world and performing and have a really cool cottage. And, you know, I had painted a picture in my mind of what life would look like. It did not look like that at all. And I would say that um, there were some traumatic things that happened that led up to this. And it kind of was a catalytic moment. And that was a car accident um, at shortly before I turned 21 and that car accident, um, I had a lot of nerve damage to my hands and, you know, thoracic area and, you know, it, various injuries that started to make it harder to play. My body was in pain. Um, but in those days I was very hard headed and I didn't listen to my body. So I kept playing and said, well, if it hurts, then I'm going to do more so I can just push through it. Um, my grandfather, one of them aptly said, Mariam, you're like a bull. <laughs> so he was absolutely right. But I really hurt myself even more than what those injuries had given. And a part of that was I'd been not actually nominated as the El Paso Pro Music, a young artist of the year. And I had a lot of performances that I'd been contracted to do, including a formal debut performance. And 
um, that was going to be important towards reaching my goals. So I wasn't going to let something as pesky as a car accident and injury stop me. I mean, come on. And so I really did a number on myself, Lisa, and I was in such pain um, emotionally from some things and physically that by the end of that debut, I had to take a couple of months break. And I said, okay, no problem. I'm going to let my body rest. I knew I needed to let my body rest. But what I didn't understand was that my body was going to rebel. And uh, in the fall, I was supposed to start getting ready for master's auditions during my senior year, and I could no longer play. I lost the use of my left hand. Uh, really, it was excruciating to move a finger. Um, and then I went to see an orthopedic specialist in San Francisco, who was also, interestingly, a, a performing artist. And he said, don't worry, your body will find a way. Look at my hand under this moving whatever x-ray. My hand was totally crushed and I'm performing and I'm doing this. I said, great. I said, how long are we talking? Six months? And he was quiet and I thought, uh-oh. And he said, with the level of injuries that you have, nerves take an exceptionally long time to heal. It'll probably be about 10 years before you'll be able to play again. And I thought I was going to just, you know, it was, it was painful to hear that. And then, but it was a life-changing moment. And now it's a part of what forced me to shift instruments to more predominantly voice and meeting my audience instead of running away from them and evolving where I have. And I think God really certainly had a plan for me that I didn't know. So that was a key struggle in my life through which I say that struggle was my joy because I wouldn't change a moment of my life. And the ability to impact people in the way that I do. And now I can play again and I perform uh, and I enjoy playing. However, I've discovered so much more along the way than I ever would have if I had actualized the very tiny life that I had envisioned. So it was very painful, it was hard, and it was the most wonderful and beautiful thing that ever happened to me in my life. I, I really, I, for, I either forgot or didn't know. I forgot about the trauma of that car accident, but how you, you really overcame that and, and continued to evolve your life. Um, and and that's, that's, that's really why I do, I want to do these podcasts is to hear people's stories on being young and you're, you feel your life is going to go in a, in a certain direction and you're driving for that. But then, you know, life doesn't give you always what you want. And then how do you make that work? And so that's just a, it's just a, it's a wonderful accomplishment and a spiritual accomplishment that you you had resources, but listen to yourself and 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 in God. I know I know you and I talk about God, and um, believe that's out there that helps guide you and understand how to to move in a different direction. Um, and I had to make take a note of this. I don't know where I'm going to put it, but your struggle was your joy. And how many people can say that, Miriam, and or get to the point that they can say the struggle was their joy that was just absolutely um again i go back to your my breadth and you're on here because of the breadth and depth that you have with life and experiencing it and being able to articulate it for us um yeah what it, may i may i may i interject one thing lisa sure sure and it, it comes through the message of a song that so many know called somewhere over the rainbow right? We all know it because of the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's just only our personal struggles. It's the, it's the struggle we have as a whole, as a world right now. And the other day I was, I, uh, I took, I, I don't have a studio anymore, but a friend had called me. She said, Miriam, I just want to sing. I want to be able to sing along. Would you work with me? And I said, you know, I need a little bit of joy right now because the world is so gray outside. And I said, you know what? I will. So this was one of the songs that we were working on. And I decided, you know, to look at, we were talking about how songs have such deep meaning, really. And, and they're time machines because they allow us to see what, what the composer was going through in their own domain, through their own perception and perspective at a time in history we didn't live. Mm 
So, you know, we looked up Harold Arlen, who actually uh, wrote the song. Um, and it was interesting because the song was written in 1939. And we all know what was happening in 1939. I mean, the world was coming unglued because of a war. Right. And if you look at the introduction, which nobody ever sings or knows, because um, you have basically the main part that everybody knows, which is somewhere over the rainbow. But if you look at the beginning, you have when all the world is a hopeless jumble and the raindrops tumble all around, heaven opens a magic lane. Well, he's not just talking about the physical, he's talking about something so much deeper because the world in that moment was such a hopeless jumble and everything was like a raindrop falling all around. And the way through it was heaven is opening a magic lane. And then when all the clouds darken up the skyway, there's a rainbow highway to be found. It's like everything could be dark and just utterly hopeless, but there is a rainbow highway to be found leading from your window pane to a place beyond the sun, just a step beyond the rain, somewhere over the rainbow. And it reminds me of a, of a story that I'm, I'm actually writing of a woman who lost her son to neuroblastoma at two and her message to me was, Miriam, we got to look up to see the rainbow. So I just, if, you know, it's just, I, I know so many are struggling that are listening to your podcast, Lisa, and those struggles are our joy. And we just got to look up to see the rainbow. I had no idea there was an intro. I'm going to go research that. I had no idea there was a brief, maybe you just, you get, you don't hear the intro because it gets, the rest of the song gets so embedded that yes so so i have a question I, I, you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna promise i'm gonna do because i started a blog on my site i am okay. gonna record it and i'm gonna i'm gonna put that up there and and for whoever's listening and they want to hear that song <laughs> i'll uh, give that gift to you oh that would be wonderful um this is totally not in our list of pre-questions so i'm gonna go with this one i'm gonna ask you to go with me on because hope, uh, staying hopeful is so important when we're in interesting times, when we, we think they're dark, and how do we how do we get through them? Um, I just I just don't know how this year can it just keeps. We have fires here in Colorado, ten miles away. It's just bizarre. How do you stay hopeful? And you have children. How do you help them stay hopeful? Mm-hmm. Well. First and foremost, this is for me within the scope of my beliefs. Um, I am a strong believer in God and daily prayer is a part of that for me. Um, but it also has a lot to do with our self-talk and also guarding the senses, if you will. Guarding what goes in your ears, guarding what your eyes see. You know, when we're little, we what, what's that song? Be careful little eyes what you see, right? Mm-hmm. Be careful little ears what you hear. Uh, and that's because what we do let in us kind of lives in us. So I am, I'm really having to monitor what I watch, what I listen to, and I am constantly feeding myself with hopeful things, with things to learn to expand my spirit um, and to grow. I listen to talks by monks. I listen to the Bible being read. I listen to music. I listen to uh, things that I didn't know so that I literally create a world around me uh, that is a hopeful one. So I've created my own microcosm in the world and I, it's up to me to keep that up. Nobody's ever gonna do that for you. So that's a part of what I do and I've taught my children to do that. So during the quarantine, uh, my daughter prolifically was, I will call it, she's an amazing songwriter. She was journaling. You can check out her YouTube at uh, Jamili, I think it's Jamili Noel, but she's getting ready to release some of her original songs. Um, and so she stays inspired by finding ways to express herself in that way. And my son just started to drink in the violin. So we've indulged in our musical commonality with, uh, with the family. And we are really 
you know, everybody performs and we find things to inspire each other with. So. I'm going to take, I'm just going to take, I have a lot to take home with me today. And one is also expanding my spirit. And uh, I love, you, you have such a beautiful way with words. I am just in awe. And I'm, I'm, I'm writing all this down, and I hope our listeners will too, of just having some helpful tips or ways to think about ourselves, uh, using you as an example of expanding our spirit and, uh, you know, getting to the point of our struggle being a joy. And there's just, there's so, there's just so much meat here today. It's just wonderful, Miriam. We have Thank a few you, more, oh, we have a few more minutes. Um, so what is uh, one thing we didn't include today that you want to be sure and highlight? Um, well, I would love to invite people uh, to come and check out our website at perfcomcom. That's perf as in performance, com as in communication, two M's, comp as in company, C-O-M-P. Um, and definitely, you know, if you're struggling, check out our blog. Um, there's one in particular, um, and I think it's called Harnessing Your Inner Voice or something like that. Uh, and there's actually a, a process, and, and we delve into the idea of the yin and the yang from the Tao Te Ching. Uh, and and I, I give a process that I it took me a long time to learn, um, and I used it to coach people that were really missing some coping skills to deal with uh to deal with their reactions to today and and getting kind of stymied and not being able to focus and find their inspiration again within themselves. Um, and so there's a, a blog that's, I think, worth reading as well as um, anybody listening. Uh, this is, It was sort of a beta course. Um, it's still out there. They can join in for free uh, and, and work that process in about 30 days or so. That'll stop being free, but by all means, go to it now and, and make use of it. And I'd also love for them to check out our amazing speaker series program. Um, now is a great time to really work on ourselves and build ourselves. We are the instrument of communication holistically, our body, our mind, our thoughts, our spirit. Um, but then how it all comes together, I, I do believe that our words are literally the magic wand that create. The word is alive and it creates in front of it. It creates within us. And how we put those words together and share our messages with the world are literally what creates the world around us. And I, I this is sort of a call to action. Um, whether or not you do anything with us, it's please take note of what you're thinking. Please take note of what you're saying. And let's speak life together. I believe like we're on the verge of a renaissance. And I know people may think that I'm crazy in saying that, but Lisa... The Renaissance came out of the Dark Ages, right? Right. And so, and so we, we, I, I believe that there is such great possibility in the struggles that are happening now. And I know struggle converts to joy if we engage with it in a particular way. And don't look at the edge of the cliff. There's about 20 other things that you could think of and divert from the cliff. So let's do that together. Let's create a new conversation, a new energy inside of today that is that full of hope and movement forward. So that's that's my that's my strong desire, and it's an invitation um, to speak life together. Oh, Miriam, that was just so incredibly beautiful and so moving. I'm actually going to probably just fax you my notes because they're all over the page of all these wonderful, I don't they're not really metaphors, similes, but descriptors, just the way you express yourself and how just in your your own language is listening to you for, gosh, almost an hour just is, is uplifting and inspiring and, and helping me. I hope it helps the listeners. Just look at how our own communication and how we express ourselves can change the world, can change, can change ourselves and change the world around us. Um, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. I do want to tell our listeners that I'm going to post um, on the Podbean your links um, um, to how to contact you and, and be and reach you and connect with you, the blog, um, 
and uh, any other way that you, you suggest that uh, you want the listeners to, to connect with you um, um, on, a professional, on a professional level. So thank you so much, Miriam. This was just a wonderful, a wonderful interview, a, a, just a wonderful time to hear your story and to, to help us be better um, and to, to figure out for ourselves and to move forward with our own, with our own lives. So thank you so much, Miriam. Thank you, Lisa, for your time and for having me on. And for those who have listened, thank you for sharing this time with me. I wish you very, very well and all the best. Thank you. So once more, Miriam, before we leave, what is one other thing that you'd like to add um, for our listeners that might be of interest to them? Yes, Lisa. Well, I would love for anyone that's listening that feels a desire to perhaps engage with my company and I would love to invite you to a personal chat. Uh, We would call that a discovery session to better understand what your needs might be and how we could address them. Either you as an individual looking to take your game to the next level, or you could be a decision maker in an organization. We do both coaching programs as well as live instructor-led and then of course definitely check out our uh, the amazing speaker series you'll if you go to our homepage at www.perfcommcomp.com perfcomcomp you'll see a link there to go to the amazing speaker series and learn more about it and then for those of you who really did want to take uh, advantage of some of those coaching uh, processes that I put out there to help those who needed a bit of coping skills to get back on track and find their focus and productivity, definitely go check it out. Uh, Lisa has a link in that blog in particular is called Harnessing Your Inner Voice to Create Winning Outcomes. Um, So I hope to see you somewhere along the way. And I just want to say welcome. We would love the chance to work with you. And thank you, Lisa, for your time and effort and energy in doing this work. Thank you for having us on today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining me. So that's a wrap for today. We've so enjoyed you being with us. I hope you learned something new, got some inspiration, and you are ready to move forward with your own new season. Remember, we are living life at any age. Take some time to visit the other social media sites. Give us some feedback. Shoot me an email on Facebook. And remember, until then, stay safe and keep on living. Cheers. Cheers.